Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Trophy is handed to the captain, Magdalena Eriksson. And so for the third time in a row and the fifth time in their history, Chelsea... Welcome to Upfront on Football Ramble Presents. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. It all came down to the final day, but blue ribbons remain on the WSL Trophy. Chelsea win it with a dramatic win over Manchester United. Despite Arsenal's best efforts, we relive the final day for the two title chasers. Elsewhere, Man City clinched third place, West Ham part with Oli Harder, and Birmingham City's relegation is confirmed. We cast our eyes over all that and more, and to well and truly cool time on an epic WSL season, we're rolling out the red carpet with our own upfront end of season awards. <laughs> What a final day of the WSL season. I was tweeting the morning of the final day about, you know, um, final days gone by. Uh, and we've had some pretty epic final days. The one in 2014 in which Liverpool won, but they were one of three teams that could have won it. And they were started the day in third. Yeah, yeah. mad. Um, it, it had those sorts of vibes, but honestly, it was even better than I thought because I started the day absolutely certain. I think we spoke about this, Rachel, that... United were just going to get blown away within 10 minutes. Mark Skinner Wait, was going to... I didn't say that, but yeah, okay. No, I, sorry. That, that Slander. for the record. Let, let the record show. I I, I think we, we thought that Mark Skinner was going to play United's traditional style and try and match Chelsea, play her out from the back, potentially get in trouble like they have against Chelsea already twice this season. And Chelsea would find those opportunities, pick them off and get a lead quite early. But boy, did that whole narrative just flip on its head. Yeah, I, I, I think if we'd written that, I don't think we could have written that, actually. I think uh, I think it was Molly Hudson who tweeted that the title shifted five times throughout the course of those 90 minutes, which is absolutely insane. Um, and I wasn't, unfortunately, at either of those potential title-deciding games. Um, we tend to go to games that aren't on TV. So I was sat at Spurs um, Stadium. Sophie was in Villa Park. We were both texting each other and she was giving me the updates. I was getting them in my ear as well from the commentary, um, all while shooting a different match. So it did have very tense vibes the whole 90 minutes. It was incredible. Maha. My heart hasn't recovered. I, I felt think, sick. From... It was weird. It, I felt really like nervous about it. It was too much, but yeah. it was also the absolute. It's, it's what you wanted. It's what you wanted from that day. You wanted the drama. You didn't want it to be a case of you know 
Man United being completely steamrolled by Chelsea, Chelsea winning the league. You wanted, oh, oh my God, are they going to get it? Are they not going to get it? And and that's exactly what it delivered. And, you know, for me, I think that's one of the most exciting things about this season is that it has come down to that final moment. And it was, and it's come down essentially, what, to the final 45 minutes of the season. So it was, um, I, I mean, I, I'm still feeling it. Yeah, and yeah. I also feel like Chelsea finished the season in very Chelsea style for this the, the the Chelsea brand for 2021-2022 has been this kind of thing, is working through tough moments, maybe not so much in the Champions League and the Conti Cup final, but when their backs have been against the wall in so many games, Villa, Spurs, uh, they have bounced back, Birmingham, they have shown why they are such winners and... Rachel's favourite phrase, mentality monsters, baby. I'm oh, telling gosh. you. I think this is the hardest title Chelsea have ever had to win, which probably makes it the sweetest for everything that's gone on off the pitch. Uh, they've also had, you know, injuries to Matt Eriksson. Pernilla was harder, was out for a while. Frank Kirby was out for a while. Sam Kerr was away with the Asian Cup. All of the COVID crap throughout the season. Um, and yeah, like you say, they didn't play their best football. Um, you know, there were... There were games where they played sublime football. There were halves where they played really good football. But also they they kind of let it run away from them sometimes and they're a little bit their own worst enemies at times. Um, but I think when they have, I've said this last, last week, when they have something to fight for, they're at the most dangerous. And I think it was almost um, when Arsenal then lost those points to give Chelsea the, the lead in, in the league, which was back in January, it almost felt like they were going to go for it. That was it. Mm. And and yeah, the way they won different matches, hard matches, down to 10 players, you know, last minute goals. Uh, yeah, definitely the hardest league for them to win, and which makes it all the more impressive. And even though last season did go down to the final day, which is hard to think about it like that because you feel like Chelsea just steamrolled last season. But uh, Chelsea ended up winning last season by two points and it technically could have been uh, could have been cities, but it would have needed an almighty screw up from Chelsea in the final day. So it did go to the final day last season, but it just felt like such a calmer, more dominant title than it was for Chelsea this season because of those very things you mentioned, the twists, the turns, losing to Reading, losing to Arsenal on the first weekend, those tough moments. But yeah, they proved why they're winners. And when you've got a player like Sam Kerr doing absolute nonsense like that. Ridiculousness. I think it was just, I think it's that for me, I think the word of the season for Chelsea has definitely been consistency because I think, you know, no team is perfect. You're going to have your upsets. You're going to have your disappointments. You're going to have games where, you know, you think it's going to go one way and it goes completely the other. But for Chelsea, I think it's always been how they've recovered from that. And they've recovered fantastically every single time in the face of adversity on all the things that have gone on this season. I mean, it was only a few months back that the, the whole club and how it was going to be for the future of the club was, was in jeopardy. So, you know, it's come back from that and then play a game. They've gone, you know, into a situation where they've gone down. They've been they've spent the best part of 45 minutes in uh, the sort of the back end of, of the of the game, and then to come back and 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 just pull magic out of the bag in the second half, and I think a lot of that credit needs to be given to Emma Hayes because tactically, what she did at half time was absolute gold. Like injecting that energy with England and G coming in, and you could tell that those women wanted to go out there and fight for Emma Hayes because they knew that the title was on the line. And I think that for me, that passion and the consistency and the dedication and the love they have for Emma Hayes, I think it all amalgamated into a, into a fantastic game and a, an incredible win for the season. I also think the fact that they can manage without injuries, like it's not to say that other teams haven't had similar issues around COVID, around losing players and stuff, but it's how they're able to deal with that. And I think that's the difference. And that's where other teams will learn 
that when they when they get injuries, how they kind of balance that. And I think the importance of having your your bench players, if you like, and I don't, I wouldn't call them bench players because I feel like every player in that Chelsea squad knows their their position and knows what to do when they're on the on the pitch. But it's having that consistency across your squad that when something happens, players can step in. Your Guru Wrightons, your Aaron Cuthberts can step into a multitude of different positions and have outstanding games. Um, and I think they're going to be the kind of the key areas that I think Chelsea won the league. And also with the additions that. Um Emma Hayes made to the squad last season. Guru Wright and Aaron Cuthbert kind of dropped out of that starting lineup, but because of what happened with injuries and COVID this season, they've been thrown into things, playing at wing back, wing back on a lot of occasions and doing so well. I mean, Guru Wright probably should have been on a lot of of the shortlists, or and might still well be. But in terms of Football Writers Association awards, Sam Kerr won that, and Hemp and Miedemar were in the top three. But Wright and Beth Mead missing out, and I'm surprised on Wright as well. Erin uh, Cuthbert, you know, she has that cliche and I'm not just saying this because she's Scottish but that Braveheart mentality to get them back into it she's such a warrior she really motivates so much of that team with her energy with her personality and it was just so impressive and it's funny as well because in my head I was doing a piece about I wanted to do a piece about Chelsea yesterday and in my head I, I was like right they've been they've been defensively poor at times this season and they've been bad at defending set pieces the, the goal that they conceded that first one against United on Sunday was from a set piece looked at the stats they actually have the best defensive record at set pieces. They've only conceded two set piece goals. So it's really funny how your brain just like creates it's a narrative. It's panic. Yeah. That's where the panic and comes in. And also we think, we think, oh, their defence hasn't been that good this season. You know, Emma Hayes playing with a back three a lot of the time. They haven't felt comfortable. I think in the Champions League, those numbers are different in terms of conceding from set pieces. And I think we have seen them panic a lot more. But you're like, actually, even with those changes, even with those tweaks that Emma Hayes made, they still have one of the best defences in the division and leading from the back like that has probably been one of the best best factors for them. They've got an unbelievable clean sheet record at home uh, and away, you know, spanning such a long such a long period up until they've conceded goals recently. So it's, it still shows that even though there's been some bumps along the road, they are still the best in England. Yeah, and I think we also have a habit of comparing Chelsea to Chelsea. Yeah. So we'll look at, you know, those set pieces. And like I say, it's it's generally when you're watching them play some lovely football going forward, it's the set pieces and the defensive moments where you're like, Whoa, like, is this mm-hmm. the moment where someone's going to score a goal? Like I remember right at the end of that draw with Arsenal at Kings Meadow, where the ball was just bouncing in and around mm-hmm. the goal line, but not actually going in. And that kind of summed up, I felt, their defence in that it was a little bit scatty, but it worked. Yeah, and they will keep stuff out. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's the greatest thing about them is their adaptability. I mean, you know, things weren't working in the first half of that game with Man United. They changed it up a second half. They've gone three at the back. And for me, that's where it seemed to shore things up. And they seem to be a lot more confident. And obviously, they didn't concede any goals in that second half. So, you know, to finish in that formation for me is sort of indicative of, of how Chelsea's season has gone. And, you know, rightly so. Problem solvers on the pitch. Yeah. And I think we will see some changes to some. I mean, Anne Kutrinberger, I think, has had a bit of a, a difficult season for Chelsea. She got dropped by Emma Hayes, came into it, got sent off against Spurs. She was a little bit shaky on Sunday against United. So I think, I think she's a bit of a weak link at the moment. And I, I expect Zajira Musevic to be the starter for, for Chelsea next season. So it'll be interesting, a kind of like sort of phased summer. They've got Spence leaving, who's a squad player, really. Uh, G obviously leaving. But they've got people signed on to to, to long-term deals and it's going to be interesting what they what they add this summer. I mean, let's look at Arsenal as well um, because I talked last week about they end the season with no trophies, which is disappointing, obviously, for a lot of fans given their dominance in, in English football and women's football in general over the you know past couple of decades. But 
you have to say, Jonas Odevold coming in, new manager, changes, new players to work with. They can they can feel some positivity in the fact that they pushed Chelsea right to the final day and for what, you know, 40 minutes or so, the title was in their hands. Yeah, and I think it's again an example of comparing Arsenal to Arsenal. Like if, if that was another team who had brought in a whole load of new players and a new manager, they would probably consider that quite a successful season. I think seeing not seeing Arsenal right in the latter stages of some of the cup cups is, I think has been a bit disappointing. But I think that's also to do with experience as a team. They haven't, as that group of players, had a lot of experience in those big matches. And I think it showed throughout the season, particularly in those kind of semi-finals. Um, so in that respect, maybe a little bit disappointing. But yeah, I agree. The fact that they pushed right until the very, very end, they only lost one game, which is mad you know Emma Hayes said after her win um, you can't lose two games in this league and win the league that's exactly what Chelsea did yeah. they they lost two games and they still won the league um, and it's mad to think that Arsenal only lost the one so and I know it's ridiculous to say what might have been but really if they hadn't lost that game to Birmingham or if they hadn't drawn with Spurs yeah. that's or when drawn the wheels with Manchester kind of United off. as well yeah the wheels for me kind of got a bit shaky when they, they drew that game against Spurs and that's when things started being a bit like Leah Williamson got injured then and yeah. things got a little Leah bit Volte shocky. Leah missed that game against shaky. Birmingham. She, she got injured in the warm-up. Yeah. And that was huge. Leah Williamson it's didn't play that game. It's two points in it. It's a, it's a yes, the loss or, or a draw. They had four draws, I think, throughout the season. Yeah. That's literally the difference of mm. who won the league, which is it's mad. I think yeah. that's like for me, I just I look back at the Arsenal season and I don't think it's been a bad season. Yeah, they've not picked up any titles or trophies this this season. But at the same time, you know, when you look at the sort of points difference from last year, I think there's a seven they've 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 gained seven more points from what they were what they were getting last year. Yeah, they've consolidated the squad. They found a great partnership with Miedemar and Blackstinius. You know, it is a bit of a new squad. And I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of confidence in and around the Arsenal squad about what they're going to achieve next season. I mean, Idaville's just stoned on a new deal. I think there's going to be confidence and stability there that, that creates for the players so for me it's kind of a yeah they've they just got pipped at the final post but at the same time I think more's to come for them next season and you spoke about Chelsea's consistency I think that's what Arsenal lacked like I felt with Chelsea no matter where whether if they were down and out in the game I always felt like they were going to come through somehow and I, I never kind of had that confidence with Arsenal and I felt like you were never 100% sure of what you were going to get with Arsenal were they going to come out and blow someone away or were they going to scrape at 1-0 or was it going to be a draw and I think that's maybe what they were lacking this season three in a row for Chelsea five in total five WSL titles in total do we think Arsenal can win it next season yeah, I think it's going to very much depend on some of the players they bring in. I think there are still some gaps in midfield. I think they could do with another defender. And yeah, defence, uh, definitely. And I think if, if Viv Miedema leaves, which is highly likely, I think, at this stage, um, how they manage that. I do think they've got really good star players in that squad. Um, and I think it will be a loss not to have her, but I don't think it will be like a massive hole in the team but I think recruitment is important but not too much of a change mm -hmm. I think keeping that core team will be really really important for them to try and gain that consistency I do think they can challenge next season for sure I've got to agree with that I think everything you just said is is bang on um, I think it is going to depend on a lot of who is brought in next season and whether that sort of partnership remains with with Miedemar and Blackstinia so obviously I think you know her career is a little bit up in the air we don't really know what she's going to be doing this season but I think with the success of what they've built this season I think that's going to attract a lot of international talent and talent you know in and around the WSL people who want to progress in their their careers so for me I think this is going to be a very strong recruitment season for them so I would see an even stronger Arsenal side next season and you have to think that they've even if they can't beat 
Chelsea to the WSL title, they've got to win something next season, like the Conti Cup, the FA Cup. I still think for both teams, the Champions League is beyond them. But domestically, Arsenal have got to pick up something next season. I think Champions League is beyond them, but I think they both need to be going much, much further in that competition, Um, especially the way the Champions League is now with the group stages, you're getting more experience against big teams. So I would expect them to be going beyond the quarterfinals um, next season. Uh, But yeah, absolutely. I think Arsenal need to be picking up trophies or at least being in finals. Like having no finals this season with our, I mean I know we had the FA Cup from last year that they were in blown away there but I do think that's something they need to be aiming for absolutely yeah they need to get back to winning ways I think it is that kind of winning mentality once you've picked up one trophy I think it spurs you to go on and get another so even if it is the sort of and I hesitate to say this the sort of lesser cups like the Conti Cup maybe I, I think that's probably less important potentially than the FA Cup um, and the and the league title, obviously. Um, so, but I think it's just a case of once they get those initial, even the smaller trophies behind them, that will at least get them to the end of the season, thinking we've made this achievement, and therefore we're going to go on and progress because they need to get back to you know the glory of what we all know that they can achieve in in previous years. And I suppose as well because of their history, because of the success of the brand, the expectation is always going to be there. But actually, Jonas Ardavel said this, Vivian Midmar said this after the game, and Beth Mead said it as well. Is actually when you look at how far they've come since. Joe Montemurro's last season and the growth and how far they've been able to push Chelsea again. That is massive because in the COVID suspended season in which Chelsea pipped City on points per game and last season, Arsenal were miles off. So to close that gap like they have is still impressive and to, to not lose to Chelsea in the league, a win and a draw... That is impressive. Yeah, that's. but Arsenal used to always struggle against those, you know, your Man Cities, your Chelsea's. Um, Man United was becoming a tough game for them as well. Um, so the fact that, yeah, they didn't um, lose to Chelsea. They took points off Man City. They took points off Man United, um, a, a draw and a, and a win. Um, yeah, it, that builds the confidence, right? That builds the experience because they are the big games for them. And that's where we used to see them come out in the, on the pitch. And Chelsea always seemed to come out on the pitch confident that they could take on Arsenal. Mm. And Arsenal has just looked the, a little the bit... The swagger. Yeah. And I think what I would just add as well, I think it's the, the brand of Arsenal I've seen massively improve and mm. get really positive and exciting sort of behind the scenes. I mean, you look at the kind of adverts that are about now. I mean, Leah Williamson's just done this amazing one where Tony Adams is like delivering yeah. posts or something. And then there's a, a local business from a locksmith. And then Ian Wright is like the biggest ambassador and for the, them. And the, the clothes and the, the kit and all yeah, that the kind of stuff. Yeah, the Stella McCartney, the TFL collaborative. Collaborations and you just think they're, they're an exciting brand and yeah. I think that's going to encourage more people to go and watch the games more hopefully more games are being played at, at the Emirates next year so I think even you know with the buzz that's created this season I think they've done wonders on and off the pitch as a, as a club this this year and I think Idavel touched on that in his post-match actually saying you know just it's amazing to be part of a club like this and it's so exciting what they're doing and he was kind of alluding to what was happening off the pitch more than anything as well because he has so much respect for how high the club uh, rank their women's team and how they look after them they profile them and they push them so that's exciting and four competitive games at the Emirates this season having had none that's Eight. massive A lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. We should shout out as well uh, Rangers who won their first ever SWPL title in Scotland. A nil-nil draw with uh, second place Glasgow City, big rivals. Uh, Glasgow City have absolutely dominated Scottish football. I'm sure lots of you will know they've got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League a few times as well. Uh, they've won 24 of their 26 games this season, Rangers, so massive. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it was 14 in a, row, in a row for Glasgow at one point. So to dethrone them... It's very Lyon, Champions League, Lyon in France vibes. So, yes, yeah, shout out Glasgow Rangers. Massive achievement. And that's really good for the Scottish women's game to have that kind of competition pushing them now. We've got to touch on what happened in the rest of the WSL as well, because there were a few games that I guess were a little bit meaningless by this point. Obviously, Birmingham had had uh, got relegated midweek after losing to, uh, to Manchester City. But City got the job done. They beat Reading 4-0. It didn't really matter what happened in the United game because City won their game and that's all they need to do and they did it in style. And, uh, I mean, as much as I don't think Gareth Tate is the best manager in the world... Do you not? You, really? have to give him, you have to give City credit on the unbelievable run they've been on because I think, is it 12 or 13 wins? In I, a think I think it's 13. 13 yeah. Consecutive wins in all competitions from where they were. Obviously, the injury issues... That is massive. Yeah, it's incredible. And it, I think it lit a fire under them as well. And I think for the players that were around during those difficult times, it's made them even better. Like Alex Greenwood, for me, has stood out this season. I think she really had to drag the team through right at the beginning of the season. Um, and I think she's she's had an incredible season and it's still showing as the as the league goes on. Um, yeah, they're dangerous. I feel like, you know, we've, we've talked about clubs having difficulties with injuries. It was almost... It was almost Man City had them at the right time, almost but right as they come to the towards the end of the season. They're getting all these players back now, and as as teams are starting to maybe lag a little bit, Man City are are coming into super super form, and I think that's going to massively stand to them when they go into the FA Cup final on Sunday. I, I think they deserved it. They definitely deserve that Champions League spot. I think you know, given how they started off at the start of the season, everyone was thinking, you know, this is a very shaky start. I mean, we've never seen a Man City really. I think they were positioned eighth or ninth, ninth in the yeah. league at, at one point, and they won like they lost like. 
four, four in a row yeah. or something and it was yeah they're by far their worst ever record in the WSL and it was bizarre and I think for me you know it looks like a bit of an anomaly what's happening here I know they went through loads of injuries and I think we actually called it we said you know give them till January I think they've got a lot of injuries wait till those players come back and then see how they are when they're firing on all cylinders and, and that's exactly what they did and you know to come back and make that recovery with the league being so competitive as it is I think is incredible so I think for me they definitely shone through and they showed their class towards the end of the season and, and that's obviously got them that that final spot, which is a massive achievement for them this year. We're going to be doing a special FA Cup final pod, but I just want to ask you guys quickly, predictions, who do you think is going to win the FA Cup final between Chelsea and Manchester City on Sunday? I'm going to say Chelsea. I mean, they must be absolutely flying off of what's mm. just happened to them, uh, you know, in this weekend I think that's going to inspire them to go on and win and I think they want to do it for Emma Hayes there's a lot of players that are going to be leaving at the end of this season and they want to achieve that for them so I'm, I'm saying Chelsea hands down I think it's going to be really close um, I think Man City's momentum towards the end of this season might give them the edge um, I think Momentum monsters that's unique oh, well, so. well, yeah. <laughs> I think obviously Chelsea you know massive achievement to win the league but it was a hard slog these last few weeks for them um, and I, you know, they're a massive club. They know how to win finals, but I just think Man City might have the edge. And I think the way they pressed and played Chelsea in the second half of the Conti Cup final, you know, if they can do that again, Emma Hayes, master tactician, and I'm sure she'll be set up for that. But I think they would have learned a lot from from playing against Chelsea that way. So I think it's going to be tight, but I'm going to give the edge to Man City. Yeah, Ooh. I don't think Emma Hayes is going to let them get done again like they got done in the Conti Cup final. I think. She's too smart a coach. I think she'll learn the lessons from that and they won't let that happen again. And that's, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be open. I think Bunny Shaw is going to start and that's what I like to hear. And I think they are going to struggle with her because it is really hard to defend, defend against Bunny Shaw. So I think it's going to be tight, but I think it's going to be 3-1 Chelsea. So I think City will score. I'm saying 3-2 City. I think with Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly on the wings, massive injection of speed there. Um, I think they can really trouble Chelsea's defence. But I do think you're going to get another worldy Sam Kerr goal and probably one from so. someone like Pernilla Hart or That Gura one Ryden. in December was so good. I want more of that. Have you got a score prediction though? You have to push you on that. I'm going to say 2-1. 2-1 Chelsea. Yeah. Love it. Sa- yeah, a couple of Sam Kerr worldies. Easy. Well, we'll see what happens, won't we? Um, let's also touch on West Ham because about an hour after the final whistle, a couple of hours after the final whistle, uh, West Ham announced that Oli Harder was leaving the club to pursue other opportunities, potentially abroad, maybe end of a cell. We shall see. Um, I think it's a crying shame because I really rate him as a manager. I think he's done fantastic work at the club. Uh, highest ever points title, highest ever finish as well, I think. Um, and he was saying to me after the game that he it was only uh, West Ham and Spurs who'd had the biggest growth in terms of number of points collected this season. Um, massive loss. Paul Koncheski, who has been assistant manager, obviously a lot of people recognise his name from the men's game, former West Ham player. Um, he is uh, replacing him, started a two-year deal to be manager there. Uh, also announced that uh, club captain Jilly Flatty will be leaving. I think it was a massive shame that they announced this after the game because mm. there wasn't really any like proper send-off, which it- I think is really harsh for someone like Jilly who's been yeah. there for four years, captain them at Wembley in an FA Cup final. Like You feel like she deserved a proper send-off, you know? Yeah, I do think it's a shame when when players are announced leaving after a league, mm. you know, and the fans don't get a chance to say goodbye to them. Um, yeah, I do think it's a shame that he's leaving because it felt like he he was finally starting to make his mark on the team and they'd made huge, huge progress this season. Um, and the timing of that announcement was really weird because it was we were getting to a point where I think we were starting to wind down after what had been an insanely hectic day in terms of media coverage. Um, and we were all probably cracking open a beer or two. And um, suddenly these announcements came out, which was quite unusual. Now, I don't know whether they were trying to 
sweep it under the carpet, in which case they should have taken some lessons from Everton and announced it close to midnight. But it was an unusual time. Um, but yeah, I, I think it is a shame we're losing him. It just seems really bizarre, though. I think, like, with the season... I mean, you're, you're a player, right? From mm. your point of view, because I personally think, if I'm a manager, the WSL is the best place to be right now in terms of club brand. West Ham is a massive club. They're on the up at the moment with what David Moyes is doing with the men's team and what Ollie Harder is doing with the women's team. Fantastic facilities the women's team's moved into. I don't think it gets better than the WSL right now, and I'm not just being an arrogant English person. I truly believe that. So, as a player, Chloe, what do you think about him pursuing other opportunities potentially you know maybe in the states but I think like the best opportunities are right here I think that's the thing it just seems such a disappointing announcement to make when you just should be in the sort of the throes of the celebration of how far you've come as a club um you know for me I'd be thinking okay well, well what's really gone on here there seems to be a little bit of you know someone being incentivized here by money over in the US because to me I'd be thinking okay well, we've built something incredible mm. the next year is going to be you know a step on that like they were so close to getting that fifth spot you know with with Spurs sort of you know they're, they're in and amongst it so I think I, I would be quite disappointed yeah I think that would maybe unsettle me going into next season thinking okay well now we've got a new manager coming in we're not too sure of his styles uh, he's obviously used to you know men's football and, and whatever goes on in there so I don't know. I, I know. I know the, the the squad themselves. You know, really like Paul Konchesky, and he's a really popular guy. But I'm not massively sure of his coaching ability, his coaching style. He seems more like a man manager, like a motivator, a positive character. But Oli Harder was a fantastic coach, and I think he's proved that. I mean, don't want to give my end of season award Do not give picks your away. away. Um, but we got a tweet actually from Lorenzo um, because this was something that Oli Harder touched on when his side lost to Man City recently. He said that the whole league, all the clubs in the league had a responsibility to close the gap on the big three. Um, and Lorenzo has asked, can you realistically see any teams closing the gap to the usual suspects, he's put, aka the big three? And Oli Harder was saying, look, it's impossible for us right now to do that, but we have a responsibility to ensure we do do that with the backing investment, etc. Obviously, he said this before he left. But do you guys see that happening anytime soon? I feel like United proved that it can happen. I Yes, I think it will happen. And things aren't going to happen overnight. I think the game has grown so quickly, we often then feel like, expect to see change quickly and things to improve really quickly. Um, and that's not going to happen with teams because it's going to take a cycle of managers, betting in players, all that kind of stuff. But I do see the gap closing. I think, Man, yes, as you said, Man United have shown that they pushed Man City right to the last day for that final um, Champions League spot. And I have to shout out Spurs, who finished fifth. Um, they had a really, really good season. I think they overachieved. And I think if a couple of good signings for some of these clubs, for your West Hams, for your Spurs, will have them pushing for points. You know, I think when you look at Spurs, they were 10 points off um, fourth. But when you look at where they lost those points, you look at things like um, losing games to Brighton or, or West Ham or, you know, nil-nil draws to say Reading or Villa. That's where they lost those 10 points. It wasn't at the the big clubs. You know, they took points off Arsenal. They took points off uh, Man City. They ran Chelsea close. So we are seeing that from the likes of Spurs, from the likes of Man United and West Ham as well. It's just not going to happen overnight. I think it's that. I think when you look, I think especially with Spurs, Spurs have over, overachieved the season. I think they could be really proud of what they've done. I mean, they've only been in the WSL now for three years and to you know be pushing up into fifth spot to be a real contender, I think, next season for, for fourth spot. I mean, there were points in the season that were, they were, they were third, weren't they? They were actually they were in a Champions, Champions League, League for spot. like two thirds of the season they were pushing for that. <laughs> Which is just incredible for a team with that with that kind of history, that kind of early young history. So 
I do think in a way it does feel like, yes, there, there is going to be a lot of competition next season. But I think a lot of that does depend on the budget that the men's clubs are willing to throw out at the women's clubs. Because without that budget, they're not going to make the kind of signings that are going to be able to compete with the top level players now that are sort of gravitating towards Chelsea and Arsenal. Maybe that's why Oli Harder left. You know, he knows that he's a couple of signings away from challenging and maybe he put the feelers out and was mm-hmm. kind of shut down I think we'll see that in the in the transfer window I did ask him after before I knew this was happening I said oh you know you've, you've built such good foundation here are you are you expecting to get a good bit of budget to work with and he said we haven't had those conversations yet and that was it mm. so who knows who knows got a touch on Birmingham City because their relegation was confirmed before Sunday's final day but they did get a big win in the second city derby at Villa Park on Sunday so a nice way to sign off Darren Carter winning manager of the month uh, he's done a fantastic job there he is Birmingham through and through a lot of fans hopeful that he's going to stay and they might be able to bounce back but it is such a shame to see we all kind of knew it was going to happen but they did fight very hard and if they'd managed to get a point against Chelsea could have been a different story but they are relegated you know they weren't they were in the Champions League not long ago they were fighting for WSL title back on that final day in 2014 so it is it is it's very sad to see how rapid their decline has been someone that plays in the championship do you think they're going to be able to get back up quickly? I think my biggest concern for them is the budget that they have because I think with the championship now as it is, the budgets are increasing. A lot of clubs in the championship have really big expectations of making it into the WSL. And I think for me, Birmingham have struggled behind the scenes with you know the lack of resources, the players being resentful. I think a lot of the big players that have potentially kept them there in the past will probably leave to go and join other WSL clubs. And I, I don't see them necessarily making the kind of bounce back that you'd probably expect from someone like I know, Liverpool, you know, having that incredible bounce back that they did. But for me, I think Birmingham City, where they have been, are on a bit of a decline. I also think it's harder to get out of the FAWC than it is to stay in the FAWSL. Does that yeah, make sense? No, I totally. Think. It's so competitive it's so down hard. there, isn't it, Chloe? Yeah, massively. I mean, there's there's a lot of full-time teams now in the championships. You're not coming down and playing full-time football against part-time squads. You're playing against actually championship teams that have been full-time and professional setups now for two or three years. I mean, London City are in and up there. I mean, Palace are escalating themselves. You know, there's a lot of clubs now who are fighting for that one spot. So for Birmingham, they're really going to have to be on top form. And so yeah. far, I think given how their season has got and how little points they've picked up I think they will struggle in the championship and I think they're going to struggle to hold on to some of their players yeah. as well mm-hmm. I mean Louise Quinn definitely put herself in the shop window to get a good WSL move next, uh, this coming uh, off season be a tricky salary I've been so impressed with spoiler alert for the awards like she has been such a good such a good addition um you know she wasn't playing she was playing the championship not long, not long ago only arrived in January 2021 and she has really had a good season this season i think she'll get a good move as well so it's going to be interesting to see what kind of squad they have as well to start the championship with given they'll be up against teams who have had groups together in the championship for a while now and have got full-time players and yeah it's going to be tough isn't it massively and I think that's the that's the issue I think when you start to have that drain on talent as players want to go off and be more ambitious it ends up sort of in the relegation zone looking at mm. national level and I think to be honest I think in some respects with given how the treatment of the men's club has been with the women's club I don't think they care that much about mm. the women's team I think they would probably see that as quite favourable to have less investment because the the worse the team do, the less investment they'll put in and it becomes a bit of a downward spiral. So it's I, concerning. I did read that Birmingham City are on the verge of a takeover um, as they move to get rid of who's who's currently there. So that could potentially 
be a positive sign yeah, for Birmingham. It's, it's not a great vibe at the club at the moment. On the last day of the championship season, there was a pitch invasion. as fans were protesting the ownership. It's It's been a really tough couple of years for the whole club. So be interesting to see because if they could get a takeover, that would be really positive. We shall wait and see. We're going to have a little bit of fun now um, because it is the end of the WSL season and we wanted to shout out some of our favourite picks. So this is going to be our first edition of the Upfront Awards. What are we calling it? The, the Upfront Academy Spectacular Me and Awards. Chloe are making weird faces. That's I don't know. Do you guys have a better name? Just the awards. Just the, just yeah. the awards. Yeah, yeah. Just the, the awards. Just the, the awards. Award. Yeah. Screw you at Football Rights Association. Screw PFA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. The awards. These are the awards. I really hope that there's some like jingly yeah. jaggy music going on. We're hoping, as we speak. we're hoping producer Charlie's going to work his magic with a bit of that. Um, yeah, welcome to the first annual Upfront Awards. We're going to be picking a few different things. Um, firstly, we're going to kick off with our team of the season. I mean, I feel like I've already hinted at who I think, but it has to go out to West Ham. Uh, I think the growth that they've had is incredible. I loved Ollie Harder's work there. I'm so gutted he's leaving. And I was really excited for what was to come. And I hope this isn't the start of, you know, a bit of um, regression for them and they have to kind of hit the reset button on what they were doing. That is my pick. You know, the growth that they had, best ever finish, best ever points total. West Ham, that's me done. I think I've probably hinted too. Obviously, Chelsea had a brilliant season, but for me, Spurs have overachieved. They are the team of the season for me. They had a pretty thin squad. They don't have a whole lot of, you know, superstars or world-class strikers yet. And they finished fifth behind the best four teams in the league. Plus, they do reportedly have a, quite a low budget. Um, they were in the hunt for Champions League for like two-thirds of the season as well. Uh, and I think they took points off Arsenal, Man City... Um, Man United and then you know obviously ran Chelsea quite close so I think for the squad that they had they then had some pretty big injuries during the season uh, I've been really really imp impressed with the fact that they ended up fifth and as you said earlier Chloe they've only been in the WSL for three seasons so for me that's my team of the season Right don't call me a glory hunter but it's got to be Chelsea for oh, me glory. Yeah. Oh god right fine 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 but at the end of the day, when you look at the stats, I mean, they've won 18 games out of 21. It's their third successful title. They've dug deep this season. There have been games that have not gone their way. Um, you know, and with Emma Hayes, yeah, she's a mentality monster. It feels weird. I have me said saying it a hundred times. How did you stutter over that? It just it feels weird. It should me come say naturally. It, it doesn't. <laughs> the the MM of Emma Hayes. Um, but yeah, I just think for, the, for for me, they've been so consistent, and you know, they have faced a lot of adversity. I mean, the club was literally in tatters about two months ago, thinking that the whole thing was just going to fall apart and no one was ever going to get a contract again. So fair, for them fair. to come back from that and remain so consistent and go down to injuries, I think they had a bare squad of about 13 or 14 players at one point in January. I think for me, really shows the depth and character and they are just a solid WSL side who achieve over and over again every single year. And they do that because they've got a fantastic set of players and also an incredible manager. So good chat. Yeah, cool. My manager of the season, I've kind of given it away. So I'm going to keep it very clear and simple. Oli Harder, job done. I love his style of play. He's very, sticks to his identity, likes the way that he plays, wants his players to play a certain way, had a solid preseason with them, created the team he wants. That's it. Oli Harder. Rianne Skinner for me. I think she gets the best out of the players she has. Um, been really impressed with what she's she's gotten out of those players. Uh, and they, you can see that they really play for, for her. 
Um, and she's done a great job of trying to keep the spine of the team. Um, so yeah, for me, she is manager of the season. Obviously, you know, shout out to Emma Hayes as well. I do think she is the best manager in the league. But for me, Rianne Skinner has been brilliant. I've got to say, I do share exactly your view. I think Rianne Skinner, I think she get, I think she gets slightly overlooked. She's not one of the big personalities in the WSL at this point. But I think what she's achieved with the squad that she had, I mean, pushing into fifth, their best ever result. They've ground away results against clubs that they weren't doing that, you know, a year or so ago. And, you know, from my own perspective, you know, playing with the club two years ago, the everything's changed they've got these new training facilities they've brought in these new fantastic international players you see a lot more kind of media coverage between themselves and the and the men and the women's team so and I think she's been a massive part in pushing that agenda forward so I think Rianne Skinner definitely up there and I think again my second one has got to be Emma Hayes because I just think she's incredible and a tactical legend and I think that really came through in that last game of the season I mean she I love that a tactical title. legend is a yeah. great way to describe someone yeah. she pulled it out the bag she, she literally did. won she them did, that mom. title at half she time did. Player of the season, I've written about her last week or so. Um, this has been her revenge tour. It's got to go Beth Mead. From the first game at the Emirates to the last game at the Emirates, it's been the Beth Mead show this season. And even though Sam Kerr put on an absolute show on the last day of the season, uh, Beth Mead deserves a lot of credit for, for how well she's done this season. To not be in the top three of the Football Writers Association Awards is a disgrace. All right, well, <laughs> okay. Jesus, all right, well, to me. Um, <laughs> agree, Beth Mead has been absolutely brilliant, but I think Sam Kerr pips it. Um, obviously, won the Golden Boot, scored 20 goals, which is incredible in itself, but it's the nature of her goals. It's when she scored them. It was her nodding the goal in to get them back into the game against Spurs and they're down to, t- down to 10. It was her, you know, scoring the goal in the 92nd minute against Aston Villa. Um, you know, those important moments, she's stepping up in the in the big moments now. And um, yeah, for me, I can't look past Sam Kerr. I think um, I'm going to go for someone who's been sort of a lot of profile, but again, I don't think she's up there with what you'd not necessarily classify as the, the greatest player of the season. But for me, I feel it's like Lauren Hemp. Mm-hmm. I think she's had a phenomenal season. I think she's been a massive part of the transition from the first part of the season into the second part of the season and the reason they're finishing up in, in third now because what she's achieved with that club, the dyna- dynamicness, dynamism, dynamism, the dynamism that she brings, the deliveries, the the chance creation. I think she's been absolutely key and, and pivotal in all parts of those moments. So for me, Lauren Hemp, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations, Lauren. We love yeah, you. You can pick up your award. Yeah. yeah. Come on down. Uh, goal of the season. I'm going to go with Beth Mead's first goal against Chelsea, the Emirates opening weekend of the season. We weren't quite sure what Arsenal were going to be like. Chelsea were a little bit depleted, shorter preseason, a lot of players at the Olympic Games. But boy, did Arsenal come out flying. And that first goal that Beth Mead scored, not the second one that was offside, but the first one that she scored with her left foot as well, that uh, Rachel took a fabulous picture on, which is our upfront official photo. Um, that was just pure entertainment. And that is why I love it. And that's why it's the goal of my season. It was one of the first big ones of the season. And I feel like it needs to be remembered in upfront history right for me I've been really greedy and I've written down a whole load of them because there's been Boo, so many good ones geez. but sitting I, on the fence I'm gonna pick, in the sand oh my god I've put hole my, in the pole I'm gonna put my flag in the pole okay oh, oh. I'm not gonna put it there <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I am gonna go for Caroline Weir's chip against Man United in the Man United Dar- Man- Manchester Derby uh, carbon copy of the one she did the previous season almost in the exact same place and it put her team ahead and they won that derby. And I think that's ultimately what clinched them, that Champions League title, got them the points over Man United. So I'm going to go for that one. But I also want to give a shout out to Katie McCabe versus Aston Villa and 
Sam Kerr's second goal this weekend was absolutely audacious, ridiculous and amazing. But for me, it's Weir's wizardry. Okay, I took the piss out of you, you sit on the fence and now I'm <laughs> oh, going to here, do... you oh, go. here we go. Where's your pole? Okay, so I've got, I've got to say, Sam Kerr against Man United at the weekend was an absolute banger. I mean, you don't... I mean, she didn't even look at where the goal was or where Mary Epps was. She just had an innate sense of smelling out where that goal should be. And I just, I thought that was incredible. Um, but I think for me, I also want to give a massive shout out for the championship because Molly Green's goal for yes, Coventry yes, 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 at yes. the end of the season, yeah. literally saving the club yeah. from top, top relegation. Yeah, I think that is absolutely bloody unreal. She should be knighted for that. I, yeah. I mean, it, li- it lives with me. Molly Green, MBA. Absolutely. And Huge. I just got to give Sir Molly Green. one no, more tiny me. little shout out as well to National League. Uh, Kyla Rendell, the goalkeeper for Southampton. Got that Scoring video. that last, oh, yeah, yeah. The last 120th minute header to take them into penalties. They didn't that win. That was massive. But that was huge. I love you. Represent. Yeah, Represent the Declaration of Love, just drop it there. I love mm-hmm. you. Our next award goes to Surprise Package. Um, I already touched on Vitriki Sari, who I thought has been fantastic, and I didn't really know much of her until she set the, the league alight for Bohemian this season. And that game against Arsenal, she was fantastic. So want to shout out her, but also Katarina Svitkova, because she's been fantastic for West Ham. I think she's, she is kind of the, the symbol of Oli Harder's West Ham. She's aggressive at defending, but she's aggressive going forward as well. Being linked to a potential move to Chelsea as well. I think the future is bright for her and another player I hadn't really heard much of, but I've been so impressed with her this season. You want to learn more about Beatrice Sari? We sat down with her last week and uh, did a lovely interview. She plug. was very nice. Um, okay, for me, there's been a lot of players that have stood out across the league. I want to shout out Molly Bartrip. I thought she was absolutely amazing in the Spurs defence this season. Yeah. Um, Gura Wright and Aaron Cuthbert for me have been phenomenal. Um, they've dragged their team through many, many difficult games, playing very different positions all over the park, doing the hard, dogged work, the dirty work that maybe doesn't get that recognition all the time. And I think Chelsea probably wouldn't have won that league if it wasn't for those two. So for me, maybe not a huge surprise, but given they weren't getting as much game time last season, I'm going to give it to those two. Uh, for me, I think it's got to be Deanne Rose. Um, I think Love she's Deanne Rose. Love absolute that bloody legend. And I think like from what she's done this season in sort of creating a massive profile for Reading, she's been an absolute... A threatening attack up top. She's torn apart, you know, really experienced defences. I mean, we've seen it happen time and time again against, you know, the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal this um, this season, or Chelsea mainly. Um, and I just think she's just been such an exciting player to watch. And I think Reading can be one of those sort of, um, you know, not the most exciting squad to watch, steady and robust, but not not exciting. I think she's really injected that for them. So great, one hundred percent. And finally, our moment of the season. Easy. I'm going to go with one that really defined the title in the end, which is Arsenal's shock defeat to Birmingham at the turn of the year. Did not see that coming. And one that put an end really to their title hopes. Obviously, other other drop points along the way, uh, which we mentioned, but that was unbelievable. I just was in complete shock. And that, for me, is my moment of the season. Now, I was going to go with Sam Kerr's 92nd minute goal against Aston Villa because I, for me, that was when I, I just felt like that's it. That's the, the league is Chelsea's now. But I'm actually going to go with Manchester City coming from behind twice against Birmingham to win 3-2. Maybe not one you'd immediately think of, but psychologically... You know what? I kind of forgot about that game, so thanks for reminding me. (laughs) Yeah, psychologically, I think that was massive for Man City and I think they turned things around from then onwards and it made them realise we have the fight that we can be down twice and come back and still win this game. And I think that's when the ship started to turn for Man City this season. So I'm going to give that to them. 
Um, I've gone for something a little bit less um, sort of really momentous. Ooh, interesting. It was basically just a Sam Kerr decking a player and getting a yellow card, to be honest. That oh, was yeah. iconic. I just thought it was such an iconic moment for football. <laughs> I really thought that's what we were going for. It was for. a good meme sort as well. Controversial events in the women's game. I mean, I'm down. Do but it. It, if you look at the sort of wider picture of what that represents, you know, you like men's invasion of women's football and yeah. Sam Kerr just being a legend and just going, absolutely It's just not classic today. Sam Kerr. She's like, she just doesn't give a shit. She's and like, I'm not fucking having this. Boof. Yeah. Love it. Also, Solid. for the whole like Disneyfication of women's football and all of that kind of some of the softly, softly stuff. Mm, like, um, oh, we shouldn't do that because it's not good role model. Not good role model for little girls. Between that moment and that picture from the Emirates from last week mm. with like Katie McCabe squaring up to Maeve so Clemmeron. And oh. actually, when she pulled back her arm like she was about to like start a brawl, I was like, mm, and you know, Kate Longhurst with her, have, have some of that. Like, I yeah. just, all of that stuff. Yeah. Great I love moments. it. I love it. Bottle it up. Uh, sell it, smoke it, whatever. Don't smoke it. Don't Jesus smoke it. Christ. Sorry, we're talking about inspiring the next generation. <laughs> Little girls don't, out there, don't, don't smoke it. Keep it PG. That's it for today's episode of Upfront on Football Ramble Presents. We have got a special FA Cup episode, like I mentioned, coming out. But if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at Football Ramble, at Floyd Tweet, at Girls on the Ball, or at Morgie underscore 89. Join us next week for that special episode, doing something a little bit different. We've also got loads of episodes coming up uh, over the break and also over the Euros. So we'll see you all soon. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Upfront is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.